0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
1: Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. And now through the end of December, you can go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. That's promo code POD20 at RighteousFelon.com, valid through 12 2022 Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us, and apparently giving out links to something other than Twitter is apparently a crime on Twitter now. Uh, welcome into to the PODcast. For those of you who are just joining us live on Twitch from the post-game show, thank you for sticking with us. This has been one hell of a day because uh, we've had one hell of a win. It wasn't a pretty win. We might be a little critical of the team in spite of the win, But a win's a damn win. And the Lions are 500. And taken in a vacuum, you'd think, okay, whatever. But guess what? The Lions are 500 in December. And not only are we white-knuckling on that, the fact that the Lions are almost up on the tail of a third wild card pending a tiebreaker. We're talking playoffs on the horizon very soon because of this win. And we're breaking everything down on what happened in New York as the lions now own the Meadowlands two wins against both New York teams. We uh, lions lions escape from New York and own New York. Now it was a hell of an ugly win, but a win still counts and we'll break down everything that happened and how we even got this point. But first I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter Delirious from uh, probably was my last overnight shift. I'm moving to a different shift on my other job. Uh, delirious from the world cup and delirious from this damn game. This has been one hell of a weekend for sports. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, the producer of pride to Detroit. Welcome in Jeremy. Man, I am smiling ear to ear today, man.
2: I don't care. There are no style points in the NFL. The lions escaped from a tough jets team. Like I I know there are going to be people and I know, I know we'll be a little bit critical of, of the lines performance here, but honestly, that's a gutsy win and I, guts, all guts and grit. Maybe it, it was all because of one big play, but th- there are some people that, that I think are unsung heroes of this game. And and now the lines have won six out of the last seven. And and maybe, maybe, maybe just over the biggest hurdle to, to running the table here at the end of the season. So man, I don't, like, I'm not I'm not gonna be Debbie Downer on this podcast. I'm not gonna be wet blanket on this podcast. Oh, I said I'm the words last week. We're in an ear to ear. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. We'll bring in the third man who might be the wet blanket here, but is right now leading an insurrection in Twitch chat against Jeremy. Ryan Matthews. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, are you ready to grab some of that
3: classic slice? The Detroit Lions are seven and seven. Yeah! <laughs> I- like I, I think I threw it in the Slack channel. Like immediately after the game, I was like, "Is everybody like involuntarily shaking, or is it just me?" And I drank three cups of coffee. Like I, I had the Dan Campbell coffee order. Um, and I watched oh God, this the full red game. eyes. So yeah, just imagine what that was like. Um, that was an experience. Uh, my my kids came down from nap, um, right around like the end of the game, and. I had enter Sandman playing as loud as I could. <laughs> and my, I mean, the, the, the girls were laughing at me and they were like mocking everything I was doing. Cause I was, I was a nervous Nancy. Like I they can imagine everybody else was. Yeah. And they, you know they what? Grow up one day and realize this like, like their question, like as the field goal was happening, I was just like tapping something on the side table and they're like, why are you doing that? And I was just like, it's nervous energy. Just
1: <laughs> stop. For, for me, I, I basically didn't sleep. And I came right from probably one of the best World Cup games I've ever watched and rooting for a man who I've rooted for my entire life in Lionel Messi. I said right at the time, I wasn't ready for the Lions here. I wasn't ready. And coming into this game, I white knuckled this whole thing.
3: Dude, but like, this, I, was, I, I, this was, this was, whoa. I think, Jeremy, the thing about this game, right, is a lot of this game felt like, who's going to blink first?
1: Yeah.
3: Who's, and, this is a game.
1: Of, this was a game of chicken. Who's going to flinch? It,
3: it, it kind of felt like, hey, who's going to make the first mistake? And when Zach Wilson made that first mistake, that felt like, oh, potential tipping point. But I think kind of like all day, like we we were waiting for the Lions offense to do something. And then it yeah. did do something. Right. And
2: really, I I, I thought the, the mistake that, that tipped the scales maybe in the Jets favor. And I even started like pre-writing a Jets win was the missed field goal. Right. At that point, you're yeah. just like, well, the Lions had their shot they just made a critical error. You, you could say maybe one in coaching and, and maybe we'll debate that in a little bit, but, um, you know, it, like things swung open there. You, you gave them a big, you know, a short field. They, they immediately get another explosion play in the passing game. And, and then once the jets take a, a lead, that's more than a field goal. You're just like, Oh, I, I don't know if this lines offense, which hasn't scored a, f- a touchdown all freaking day is going to come back and win the game. And then I don't know if you want to call that a Jets mistake on the Brock Wright touchdown or just a brilliant play from the Lions. I guess it takes kind of both sides of the coin to, to make that play happen, but
1: I don't, it's I don't know. a what bit to of say, a man. big it's also a bit of a big boy Jared Goff drive too. sure yeah. engineer that. Like you know, absolutely he was. I did not think he was great most of the day. Um there was quite a few underthrown balls, and there's a lot of narrative going into this game about. How is Jared Goff going to play on the road? People bring up his splits, his home and away splits, and point out very cleanly that, hey, he's not as great of a quarterback away from Ford Field, away from playing in a dome, away from playing in a controlled environment. And this was a big test for him, and he put up a lot of yards in this game. But as you said, Jeremy, the only touchdown scored in that game until the dying minutes of the fourth quarter was Khalif Raymond's, Raymond's punt return for a touchdown, basically getting seven the hard way <laughs> after, after the Lions turned over on downs on the goal line and then get a three and out like this took a while to put together. And to be fair, even though Zach Wilson also put up an obscene amount of yards, 317, Uh, what what Ryan? No, I, the Zach Wilson experience was a hell of a ride. <laughs> that was a hell of a ride. I don't want to see Garrett Wilson for a minute again. That was, that was rough to deal with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, but and it exposed some problems with the secondary, but yet they, the lions played a little bit of bend don't break. Cause once again, it took a while for the, for the jets to catch up with the lions. It was the tightest of margin for the longest time here. And then they took that lead late. And yeah, like Jeremy, I'm like, if this doesn't come down to Jared Goff, leading it down the field, like this is kind of, this is, this is tight. My sphincter is tight. Yeah. Listen, I mean, going into that drive, the stakes
2: were there, right? This is, this is the biggest drive of Jared Goff's line's career. Like there's no question, right. Mm -hmm. On the road against a good team playoff hopes pretty much on the line, more or less on the line. By and the way, by go- the way,
1: speaking, speaking of that, like good team and the good defense, I know we didn't call sauce Gardner's name a lot in this game. Jared Goff, no interceptions, but he locked down that side of the field. I don't think uh, shark did uh, nearly anything in this game out of one pass. Like he locked down the side of the shark on it. Sure. And, and, and that's the thing. There were times when, when I think the lines
2: dialed up a deep shot, you could tell like Jared Goff had a lot of time and, and props to the offensive line, really all game giving him plenty of time to just stand back there and throw and, and golf would look that way. And I'm, I'm eager to watch the all 22 to see if he, he played a little bit of coward ball or if he's right in checking down. If I had to guess, that's a really damn good jet secondary and, and across the board, not just sauce, not just um, AJ, whatever his name and not just the, the nickel corner who, who did a good job defending Amon Ra, probably the best we've seen anyone defend Amon Ra all season. And so with all that on the line and Jared Goff 80, whatever yards away to, to win the ball game, he did it and and granted 51 of them came on a chunk play where he didn't really have to do much but he still did it and he still got the ball to block,
1: Brock Wright's hand he still got it into Brock Wright's hands yeah you got to do that
2: yep and and i know i know everyone was ready to to write up their narratives on jared goff for missing that deep shot to to jameson earlier in the game and and listen the, the the lions should have scored a touchdown on that drive anyways but it got erased by a bunk holding call so i, I I know people are going to be mad about that play and it fits into the narrative. Everyone was worried about with Jamison, right? That Jared Goff, isn't going to be able to throw a deep ball well enough for him to catch it. We'll see. Let's let, and and you know what? Screw that. Let's just, let's, let's have that conversation another day because the Jared Goff made the plays he needed to in the moment, the Lions made the plays right. they needed to in the moment. And honestly, like I know we're going to get stuck on Zach Wilson and the defense and, and giving up all those yards. But the defense also got four sacks. The defense also forced the Jets into 2.3 yards per carry. They only allowed 17 points, and I know it's the Jets, but they, they're they the reason that why the Lions could dilly-dally on offense for the entire second half and still be in that football game. So team win all around, and and I didn't even mention Khalif Raymond, who probably has the best storyline of, of this entire game.
1: And I think he got the game ball from uh, Dan Campbell. He sure did. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, this is another... This is another, you know, feather in the cap of the Lions' run defense because if there was anything to celebrate about what the Lions did defensively, I thought it was their ability to, again, they, Zonovan Knight is a guy who has been playing pretty well over the last few games. He's been, I mean, he was PFF's high to, or second highest graded running back um, over the past three weeks. And he's kind of, you know, steadied the ship after losing Brees Hall earlier in the season. And what did he do? 13 carries for 23 yards. Like this is just another notch in their belt. Like Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook. I know Zonovan Knight isn't a sexy name, but they made the Jets have to be one dimensional. And there there were plays where Zach Wilson was throwing up ducks and Deshaun Elliott was a hand away from breaking up a play. Or I, I, I mean... I would, I I would really like to go back and see like what all the third down and distance average was for the jets, because there were quite a few like third down and longs and the lions for, for the most part, like they, they put themselves in good positions to succeed on defense. And then it was a big play here or a big play there. In, or in penalties, the penalties really killed them in this game as well. Yeah. 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 And, but you know, at the end of the day, if you can count on your defense to make another team one dimensional, I mean, that that's something that any, any offense, especially a, a, an offense like the Detroit lions, you gotta be, you gotta be happy with that. Like you gotta be happy going into the game, knowing that, you know, defense is gonna, is gonna hold their weight. And, and they did. I mean, they, they yeah. held the jets to 17 points. And especially they showed up in that final drive too, because, you know, they,
1: I, I think there's something that's going to be said in New York about Robert Salah's not using the timeouts that he had at the end of this game. And by the way, it's not just Dan Campbell who struggles with timeouts Detroit fans. Like it's yeah. everyone in the NFL does it. Robert Sala did not use those timeouts. He was saving those. Like they were like airline miles or something. And I don't understand why. And the refs absolutely gifted them a second left on, on allowing them to, t- well, they, 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 they had that timeout. I, They've never seen a timeout called that quickly,
3: but you know, whatever. Yeah, I, again, my I mean, policy not to bitch about refs. So what were we going to say, Ryan? No, I I mean, <laughs> there is definitely some questionable flags yeah. that made their way out we, of the field. I, you and I talked about
1: the Evan Brown holds that were uh, holding calls that were happening that were probably not
3: holding calls. Yeah, yeah but the, I, I mean. Yeah, yeah, the, the first the first one, um, I think it was on C.J. Mosley that, that Evan Brown was yeah. blocking at the second level. Like, that didn't seem like too much of a hold. But, but putting your hands outside Soft Gardner's shoulders, it, it, I mean, you kind of deserve a flag for that. Yeah. But, sorry, going back to where I was going with this for the final drive, because,
1: Jeremy, I could see it flashing before my eyes. This was the Zach Wilson redemption game. Sure. I know that field goal was to tie it up, but I really, if, if they had gone down there... And did that business, I wouldn't have felt good about them in overtime because, man, with even with Romeo Quara coming back and lighting up, them up, getting them like third and 19, third and 17, they were still finding ways to convert on that final drive. And I'm just like, I'm sick. I'm sick to my gut. And thanks to Robert Sala, you know, not using his timeouts it only meant a field goal at the end and they miss it.
3: Thank but God. Finally, that, that, a game winning yeah, field goal God. that someone
2: missed against this team for,
3: for Christ's sake. And it wasn't even close. That was the cool thing. It's yes. like right, right, right off there, the leg, it was like, that's that's a miss. There was no holding your breath no sure. while it was hovering in the air. You're just like, okay. Yeah, there, I, I was I no, there, there was no chance it was gonna hit the crossbar and bounce over. Right.
2: I was like, <laughs> I literally screamed across the room. Easy dub! Easy
1: dub. <laughs> But here's Uh, a narrator voice. It was not
2: an easy dub. No, it it was (laughs) totally easy. Um, But the one thing I want to say, because I think I think this is important to point out, (laughs) Lions did not play well in this game.
1: Yes, that is yes. And
2: they still won against a good opponent. Now think what that means. Just like in general, what like if the Lions don't play a good game against a good opponent, what does that usually mean? That usually means they're getting boat raced by thirty. They won on the road, against a good team because they played well in pivotal moments. And that, that alone is a huge step in the right direction because the whole reason I said I didn't think this team would run the table is because I thought they would eventually run into a game like this where they, they're just not playing their best football. Players are dropping passes. Offensive linemen are getting holding calls up the wazoo. Ball's, ball's just not bouncing in, in, in their direction. They miss a 54-yard field goal. But they won this game. They, they weathered the storm of their bad performance against a good opponent and still won the freaking game. And what, I mean, if that's not the sign of a growth of a franchise, I don't know what is. They won
1: this game on a Jared Goff drive, a two minute drill with Jared Goff on Brock Wright, busting out like 48 yards yak with Romeo Quara going nuts to keep pinning the, the jets back deep on drives and force them to really go balls out to convert. And they won this on special teams, Ryan, like they, like all these things converge together. We're going to go into individual players too, but like the way the Lions won this, it wasn't pretty at all. And there's a lot to be critiqued about the team coming out of this game for being as ugly as it is. But at the end of the day, it's the old Al Davis line. Just win, baby, because the only thing they do, they there's you don't get graded on style points in the NFL. You get graded on wins and losses. That's it. Short menu. Yeah,
3: I, I grew up playing NFL Street, so style points definitely did matter, but they don't <laughs> in the actual NFL. And to, to, to Jeremy's point, like in, in some other pivotal moments, like the Lions definitely showed like shaky knees, like just before half. You know yeah. what I mean, and and I don't really have a problem with, and maybe we can talk about this at large a little bit later in the show, but like, I don't have a huge problem with Dan Campbell not using his timeouts, <clears throat> I, I it, at at the end of the half, um, but what I do have a problem with is, I mean that could have been disastrous. The the Jets with twenty some odd seconds had an opportunity to take two shots at the end zone, uh, when they were, I mean they were all the way back in in their. <laughs> And at the 20 yard line, when, when they got that ball and After I've started with 25 seconds left, I know. And, and that was one of those things where like, if, if a touchdown gets scored there, I mean, I said it was disastrous on Twitter and that might've been a little bit of me being chicken little, but like, I felt like even giving up a field goal and knowing that the jets are going to get the ball coming out of the half, like that felt like, oh my gosh, like that's going to be one of those pivotal moments where you're going to look eight, back baby. and be like, middle eight. yeah. I mean, like Chris talks about it all the time, but like the pivotal moment. The moment where they had to come through, backs against the wall. I agree with you, Jeremy. Like when we were looking at the six game season that Dan Campbell was talking about. Over those six games, there has to be a time where the Lions are going to, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna have a misstep, and and they didn't, and they haven't, and they're three and zero, and they have three more games just, to go. Just
1: think about how crazy it is. I listened to Dan Campbell, a press conference afterwards. He was critical about the team, about how much they had to clean up but he's critical while also talking about a win. Yeah. That's the standard we've gotten up to with this team right now on what he expects out of this team and the, the the level and ways they've been playing. He's glad it's a win, but he knows he has to clean this up because he's 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 3-0 and on the six-game schedule, but he's got three more to go. The, the
2: last point I want to make is that in these pivotal moments, the Lions are putting their trust into some pretty crazy players, right? Like- Quara back from injury. Acquire, acquire a couple sacks but I mean you last week you go to Panay Sewell with the game on the line this week you go to Brock Wright you you get a huge play out of Khalif Raymond like it's not even the superstars right now that are really carrying this team over the top it's some of these role players who you know people were critical of bringing all of these guys back from last season right like why are you bringing back Khalif Raymond why are you like why are these guys coming back This is why they trust those players in these big moments. doesn't matter if Brock Wright dropped a pass earlier in the drive, they're going to go back to him because who's expecting it. They're sending Amon Ra in motion and making everyone look over there because of who are you going to go to on fourth and inches? Of course, you're going to go to Amon Ra or or Jamal Williams or whoever. No, you're going to slip it out to to Brock. Wright, And that, to me, that just shows one, it's a well-coached team that they're trusting guys from one to 53 on the roster Two. Enormous balls, just enormous balls. Okay? Like, there's no other way to put it. Because if you're the Minnesota Vikings and the game is on the line, who you're throwing it to? Justin Jefferson, no question. That's it. Like, it's Justin Jefferson. He's gonna win a ball game for you. Blinds don't need to do that. Blind's lions, it,
3: lines, like messing with your mind, man. Dude, if if I could bottle up anything and just stick it in my body, it would be John Kaminsky's bull rush. Like, oh <laughs> my goodness. Like, Executive? hey. And, and speaking of big sacks, OK. The only guy with a bigger sack this holiday season than Santa Claus is Dan Campbell. So <laughs> unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable. Uh, I, I'm going to bottle up some of that Ben Johnson magic while I'm at it, too. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. I can't even speak. Quick break. And when we come back. We get into some individual performances. We've mentioned some of them already: Brock Wright, Romeo Aquara. Uh, I've got to give it out to a guy who has more sacks than he has games that he's played in already. And we've got to give it up. Just talk more about Khalif Raymond, who got the game ball here, and some other bit players. And uh, we'll break down also Jared Goff's play a little bit because this, I think, was the hardest test he has faced as a Detroit Lion. And I think that he deserves some accolades for for getting home the dub and and getting the game winning touchdown. So we'll, we'll talk about all that and we'll be right back on the pride of Detroit POD cast, but first don't have to read up. So I need a second, keep this part in. I know. I, Jeremy is biting the voodoo chip. Anyway, so after that long, awkward pause where I don't have my stuff together, the Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which Jeremy ate some of. And I clearly didn't because this is a jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions and keeps you going. Righteous felon craft uh, righteous, 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 righteous felon craft jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities in Allen Park. And damn it, they took a lot of this on the road with them to get fueled up because each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. Each stick has eight grams of protein. I love those sticks. I've been having their habanero sticks. Spicy, spicy meat. If it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. This isn't a visual medium on the podcast. Jeremy was just holding up the Voodoo Chili, the uh, the Carolina Reaper-flavored ones. I just got a whole shipment of the Baby Blues Barbecue, which has habanero in it, along with barbecue sauce. I mentioned the meat sticks, habanero flavor, barbecue flavor, hickory flavor. They're adult Slim Jims. They're great. And but
2: guess what? This, this isn't just like corporate hot, too. Like if you if you like legit
1: spicy things, spicy voodoo chili, It'll kick your ass a little bit. And we've, we've said this before. We're not just doing this just because we're getting paid. I mean, we're doing this because we're getting paid, but also. Like it's good. It's, it's good jerky. It's amazing jerky. I I fuel up on jerky all the time and I can help you fuel up because guess why? Because this holiday season, we are giving you the gift of meat. Hanukkah starts tonight, eight nights of meat, Jeremy, eight crazy nights of meat uh, snacks. Christmas is coming up. Give the gift of meat. You go to righteousfelon.com and use the promo code POD 20 at checkout. You're getting 20% off your order. You can get variety packs. You can get bulk packs, do what you want. POD20 at checkout at righteousfelon.com. Go there, get the gift gift of meat. Help us fuel everything we're doing at Pride Detroit. We'll be right back.
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: Right, Detroit PODcast. Uh, This part of the podcast is going to be really hard for a lot of reasons. One is um, probably where we're at mentally right now. To illustrate that, my friend Bo uh, texted me and said, is this the latest time the lions have been 500 in a season since like Stafford teams. And I texted him back, bro, you were asking me an analytical question when I am freaking the F out right now. So like, that's where (laughs) we're at right. Since the Stafford years, that was two years ago. (laughs) I know. Okay. Well, it's It's literally, (laughs) they've
2: had one opportunity
1: to be 500. I think he was, I think he was excluding the, uh, the, he was excluding when he says the Stafford years, I think he was excluding mentally the, uh, Patricia years, The Patricia years. Yes. I didn't want to well, say his name. You did. The, the correct you.
2: answer is 2017, by the way. It's not that long ago.
1: Five years is a long time <clears throat> Man, for me. Anyway, let's talk about some individual performances. As I said, this is where we're going to ha- have to be a little analytical. Dive in here because at the end of the day, we echo the, the words of the coach, Dan Campbell. He did not think this was a good win for the Lions. He thought there was a lot of sloppy things that they need to really clean up. And a win's a win, as we ended segment one with. But we're gonna dive into some of that some good, some bad, on a lot of performances. Uh, there's a lot of narratives that are flying around, Jeremy. Uh, I know there's some out about Zach Wilson we've got to hit. I mean, Zach Wilson, Jesus, my brain. Uh, DeAndre Swift that we've got to hit on. But where would you like to start? Would you like to start maybe with some of the performance of the secondary? Jeff Okuda? Yeah. Start with Swift. You want to start with Goff. You want to start with the defensive line. Where are we at?
2: Let's let's get the bad stuff out of the way. Let's talk about the line secondary because now Mm -hmm. this is essentially two weeks in a row that they've been roasted, and I think last week we excused a little bit of it because hey, Jeff Okudu was dealing with an illness, so of course we couldn't shut down Justin Jefferson. Uh, this was a more concerning step back, and and there's really no sugarcoating it. Um, the Lions gave up way too many big plays in this game, and they were probably lucky to to not give up more because Zach Wilson was just not very accurate in this game in general. Um, and so, yeah, this is this is a big concern going forward. The the strides that we had seen this team make in, you know, the four or five week stretch before the Vikings game in past defense, we, like we were, we were stunned, right? We're all like, what, what was Audrey Pleasant doing to the secondary? They were horrible. Well, it's starting to look a little bit back like it did before. And Jeff Okuda was not good in this game. Um, Jerry Jacobs wasn't particularly great. Kirby Joseph is continuing to flash some of his rookiness, um, in, in not in a not so good way. Um, and yeah, that it's concerning, right? Um, Zach Wilson is not a good quarterback and he put up 314 yards on you and um, almost an, a 90 passer rating and really, you know, had a game winning drive set up and almost had a game t- tying drive because of, I mean, your defensive line was killing it for you. You had, you had the Jets in third and 18, I think twice in that potential game tying drive and they still got a field goal attempt out of it. So yeah, the, the secondary is, is a concern going forward and Luckily, they're, they're, they're facing some not so great quarterbacks down the stretch here or not so great passing offenses down the stretch here. But if we're going to talk about, you know, making a run here, uh, they're going to need to clean things up. And I think I think you can easily look at this game and be like the Lions need to draft guys in the secondary, specifically cornerbacks.
3: I think that's a fair conclusion to come to, especially. I mean, things just got highlighted today. You know what I mean? Like I had talked about in the first segment, but like the Lions' run defense is something that is is real. It's tangible. Like you can you can hold on to it. And you can say, "Hey, the Lions are are pretty stout against the run," and that's what Dan Campbell set out to do from the very beginning, right? So, I'm I'm glad that the Lions have been made in in that image, but in today's NFL, you gotta you gotta hold up better than that on the back end. And I, I do like Jeff Okuda got bailed out by a couple of really poor throws from Zach Wilson. Um, some, some, you know, some plays where they, they could have been more explosive plays um, had it not been for, for his inaccuracy. So um, the, the the one thing I do want to say though, is I, I see a lot of people saying like, well, if Mike White would have played, you know, the Jets would have won the game. It's like, ah, I don't, I'm not giving that much credit I to Mike I think they White. would have
1: been the same performance as Zach Wilson, to be honest. Like, I know there's a lot made, but I think Zach Wilson more or less lost the starting job because of comments and weird, like, personality things.
2: The, the, the My retort to that would be, I think the Lions came out with a game plan that was specifically tailored against Zach Wilson. And that game plan was, we're going to send a lot of pressure. Like, they blitzed a ton they in this game. Lot. And and what does that do? That puts your, your corners on an island, and you're trusting them to win on one-on-one coverage. And they didn't. And, I mean... I, I don't know. I don't know if you play the game this the game the same way with Mike White, a, a better quarterback, right? A guy who's who's playing better football. Maybe you don't put all your trust into Lions secondary and you play a little bit more mixed coverages. Um, but to me, this was like the Lions went into this game with an understandable defensive game plan, right? Let's just put pressure on Zach Wilson because he's gonna make a boneheaded mistake at some point. And to to Zach Wilson's credit, like I thought he had an incredible second quarter. He was really, really good, but that did mistake did come and it almost came a second time when he threw one of the weirdest completions I've ever seen in my life on a third and 10 that just fluttered through the air and somehow find it's found its way into the running back's hands. But yeah, I mean, the, the, game plan essentially didn't work. I think, I think it's fair to say that it, it it worked at some points, but it didn't work as much as they were hoping. So secondary really needs to, to get things sorted out. And, uh, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be that aggressive and, and, and leaving them alone again, but, uh, but I'm hoping for some better play down the stretch because that was not great.
3: Yeah. I I think the thing to keep in mind right now is like, I mean, the lions are in a playoff push and it's, I think the question is like, where do the lions go from here in terms of, Hey, how do they clean it up? What, what do they do in order to, you know, ensure something like this doesn't happen again, because I mean, it's two weeks in a row, like, you know, Kirk cousins and, and Justin Jefferson sure did have, have their way with, with, with your secondary as well. So this is, this is a problem that's been a couple weeks brewing. Um, it,
2: yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be hard to put teams away when you're, when you're allowing this many, like the, the Vikings very nearly got back in that game last week because they kept converting on huge plays. And, and if you're going to give up that many huge plays, a, a two score lead is not going to feel very comfortable because teams can score quickly on you. Yeah. And even so, the
1: Jaguars game didn't really feel that comfortable
2: at times. You're right. Like, yeah, So, I don't know, that needs to get shored up. I don't know if it can or will, Mm -hmm. or the big question is right. Like were the previous four weeks, the actual progress, and this is just a small step back or were those four weeks just kind of an
1: aberration, maybe getting a little bit lucky here and there. I don't know. I do wonder something to be said about the home away splits for how this team is performing. And I know that's come up in the case of Jared Goff. Um, I think I had his stats going into this game on his splits, uh, home and away, uh, five games away, uh, percentage is about the same, about a thousand less yards, uh, 18 less touchdowns. <laughs> and, um, like it, he's, he's not the same quarterback away from Ford field. And I, there was always some chatter I, saw, I heard in the national media about how was he going to perform in a cold weather, uh, stadium against a much more stout defense than the defenses he'd been playing in the weeks past because he was playing the Jaguars he was playing a Vikings defense that was really beat up and everything else so I I thought he performed well um there was some underthrown balls I know we kind of do the bellwether on Jared Goff but I said at the end of I said on Twitter like look man all I want at Jared Goff at the end is to do the big the big boy drives the end the don't be hating drives and he gave you a don't be hate and drive at the end. So I have to shelve whatever criticism I have, because that's what matters for quarterbacks. At the end of the day is you just got to pick that up. But this was definitely not the prolific offense we've seen from Jared Goff
3: in Ford field coming into de- today. Wouldn't you say Ryan? I would say so, but this is the Jared Goff that we know from this standpoint, the jets were able to generate a hell of a lot of pressure with only four dudes and they didn't blitz all that often. They are—they're a team that doesn't blitz very often. I—I I think a lot of people, maybe kind of myself included, I mean, Quinton Williams meant more to this game than Mike White meant to this game. Right. And with with, with Quinnen Williams not playing, I think a lot of people assumed like, oh, the Jets aren't going to be able to get. Home. No, dude, they have—I mean, Bryce Huff, they have John Franklin Myers. I mean, they have dudes who can still get after the quarterback and like. Well, I mean. PFF grades take him for whatever you will, right? But Jared Goff like plays pretty well when he gets blitzed. Like he he's he's kind of similar in that respect. That like Matthew Stafford is is a guy that you don't want to blitz because he knows where to get the ball out to. Like Goff isn't. I I I, I don't want to confuse people or I don't want people to misunderstand and say that like Jared Goff can do it the same way that Matthew Stafford uh, can or or did. Um, but but what I'm trying to say is when Jared Goff is under pressure and the jets have as stingy of a back end to their defense, that that's a very problematic situation. And we knew this coming into the game that the jets have DJ Reed and they have sauce Gardner. They, they have guys who can cover on the outside. That's why DJ shark only had, you know, a single catch uh, for, I think it was like 18 yards, but um, you know, you, you did you hear from Josh Reynolds name today? Nope. Okay, that's another guy. I was like, Nope, you're not going to hear a lot from him. I think that that uh, Jeremy, that that does evince a point like Jared
1: Goff has been a lot better under pressure. I don't think he took a he, he didn't throw an interception today. He's been without an interception, I think in his last six games, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Okay. And like I, I saw him eluding sacks that in the past he would have taken getting the ball away very smartly. I think if anything, just the main struggle for him was just some of his weapons getting taken away and a little uncomfortable in that regard.
2: Yeah, no, I I think I think you both nailed it there. Um, Goff golf played a, a safe game in this game, and it wasn't pretty at times. There were a lot of check downs, um, but I think that's that's all by Jets design because, like Ryan says, this is a team that drops seven into coverage. They're not going to let you beat you over the top. The lines were, were trying to pull some tricks too, right? They were they're throwing you know play action and and fake reverses and things like that, and and nothing was working. Like they you you could see Jared Goff sometimes sit there in the pocket. For a couple seconds, and just waiting for a play to develop, and it was never there. And so, um, you know, and that none of that is surprising, right? Like this is a really good Jets team, um, really good corners, and so it was a tough day for for Goff, but he did something that was very important and turned out to be pivotal in this game: is that he avoided negative plays. Like you said, no sacks, no turnovers. Uh, that that's how the Lions like that's the difference between this game and the Patriots game. He didn't make the Jared Goff play. He didn't make the Jared Goff play. And, and that game flew out of control because Jared, the bad Jared Goff showed up way too many times. And so, you know, yeah, this, this wasn't a great day for Jared Goff. He didn't have a ton to work with. He he checked down probably for far too often. And sometimes when the pressure was starting to mount there in the second half, in terms of literal pressure, not, not pressure of the situation, he got a little jittery, you know, he, he, he flung passes maybe a little bit too hastily and things like that. And so, yeah, not his best game, but you know, it, here's the thing, Jared Goff, is not a game manager in this game. He was, and that's what they needed. That's that's all that. I mean, you'd like to have more, you'd like the lines to be a little more aggressive. And I think they tried to get some deep shots. that just didn't work out, but Jared Goff is generally a guy who makes the offense better today. He was one that just kept them on track. And unfortunately they were zero for two in the, in the red zone. I think the game looks a lot different if they're a little bit more efficient there, if they don't get the penalties there in the red zone, if they capitalize off of, Zach Wilson's bad interception. um, and, and maybe the game gets blown open a little bit more if they're a little bit more efficient, but you, you got to allow Ben Johnson to have one bad day for, for all but one play call. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. Yeah. But that one play call is pretty important. It, yep. it certainly was. And so it, like, I
2: can't sit here and, and put the, but the I think it's Ben Johnson because the one, the one thing I do, that frustrates the hell out of me for Ben Johnson is second and 10. Why do you want to run it so bad on second and tens, man? You're you're yeah. just going to get like the running game is not working right now. There's a really good run defense too.
1: Can we just like, can we not get ourselves into a third and seven, third and eight? Well, that, that does dovetail into talking about the run game here because I know I got some mixed signals about that, uh, that, you know, Deandre Swift had 52 yards in the day averaging 6.5 yards per carry. But all—if you check Twitter, all I was really hearing about DeAndre Swift was once again frustration that he's not running north-south as much. So, and like the rest of the run game today wasn't much doing. Jamal Williams had 33 yards. Uh, Justin Jackson had six carries for 16. So, not really much doing. So, what what do you take away from all of that, Ryan, about Swift and I guess the rest of the running backs?
3: Well, I I thought that as as far as a runner, like. I think there was more good than there was bad for DeAndre Swift. Um, I I think the areas in which DeAndre Swift's game might might get highlighted and, and you might be able to shed some criticism on him is like as a receiver, you know, I don't know. There was I I feel like there was like another alligator arm attempt to make a to make a catch if, if I'm remembering it correctly. And you know, when you get targeted, you know, nine times and you you know, that, that results in five catches for 23 yards. I mean, I don't know. Like, I I think the concern is with Jamal Williams. And I think the concern is like, he's the guy that the lions clearly count on in early down situations. I think that he's, I think he's kind of like the guy that they can count on for, or that they want to count on for steady production. Like, I, I think that they definitely want to use Deandre Swift on, on a bit of a pitch count, um, especially when it comes to running the football. Yeah. And I mean, love me some Jamal Williams. Don't get me wrong, but he hasn't played well the past two games. He he hasn't played very well. And, and I I don't know what it is. I, I, I mean, come on, it, he, he's a running back and we're, and we're getting into December and he's got a lot of carries and, you know, I, I know I sound like I'm making excuses for the guy, but um, you know, I, I felt like the offensive line was pretty good today. Like, I mean, aside from some holding calls and, you know, you know, Frank gets dinged for one and, you know, Evan Brown has some problems, but this was Evan Brown's first game back in, in a month. Right. Yeah. And and so, like you were just saying, like, that's a, that's a fearsome jets front and they're good. Like the jets defense is really <clears> good. That's yeah. what we talked about all week, Jeremy. We, yep. t- we talked about how this was a different test than the lions have faced Maybe all year because, yeah, they played Buffalo's defense, but Buffalo's de- I mean, they lost Von Miller into that game. They're, they're banged were missing, up. They're banged up. I mean, yeah. Edmonds, like they, they were missing players like this Jets defense. No, they're, they're missing Quinton Williams. Well, they're missing. Quinn, but like still like. Yeah. how Everyone how, else was there. Everyone else was there. Yeah. I, f- I feel like we heard all week long, like, hey, like even if Quinton doesn't play. The Jets have dudes on their defensive line and 100%. they did. I don't think they really changed their game plan up because again, I did not see them blitzing a lot. Right. No, you're right. And, and yeah, I, th- I think the offensive line for the most part
2: did their job. Maybe th- there were, there's some miscues in, in the run game and that third down that the lines initially converted because of the offsides, but then the holding penalty reversed it. The next play, Jonah Jackson just gets absolutely toasted. Um, but in general, I thought they did a, a relatively good job, and, and yeah, like golf didn't have 100 percent clean pockets, but no quarterback is going to against this Jets team. I, I I don't know where they ranked in sacks and pressure percentage, but it's up there. And I don't know the last time they were held sackless, but I bet yeah. I bet they haven't been <laughs> held sackless very very often. So I thought the offensive line did did a relatively good job. I needed more out of the running backs. I did like I agree with you with Swift. I thought he had more good than bad, but the one bad one that that really stuck out for a lot of people was uh-huh. that passing play where he just needed to follow Panay and he had an easy first down and instead didn't, and, and kind of did Lyons too much. His, yeah. He did too much. And which is the main criticism for him. His like MO, he does right? that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The um, lines end up, I think, converting at third and short anyway. So it's not a huge deal, but yeah, it's, because it's, it's just
3: adding to the narrative. Dude, shout out Amon Ross St. Brown on that coming across the formation and making that block. Like what a huge so play. Good. Like he's, so he's, uh, he's, I mean, I think Mina Kimes, like, she she tweeted something out during the game where it was, like, she said, I'm on raw first down. Like, that's who he is. And, yeah. and you know, I, be, because I, if we want to talk about the receivers a little bit, because we haven't even talked about Khalif Raymond, and, like, this is just – I feel like this is the banner game for him, but yeah. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I feel like I've been talking about Khalif Raymond for, like, the past, like, month about, <laughs> like, his his contributions in the return game. And and then today he gets a, the ultimate opportunity, where I mean that that Lions punt return team though in terms of their blocking and everything, yeah I mean, holy Moses right, like, immaculate. James Can we- James Houston makes that, that block there at the yep. end and and you know Khalif you know hurdles him but like it wasn't just the punt return, it was again like Khalif Raymond like making some big time catches in. pressure catches and. Like he was, he was the number two receiver on the day. You know, it was whoever was working out of the slot because the sauce Gardner and, and DJ Reed are for real dude. Like, I'm like I said, DJ shark only had two targets, one catch, one play by DJ Reed where he, I mean, a great pass breakup, but then, I mean, Jamel just gets the one target, you know, Josh Reynolds. Is he even on the, he's not even on the sheet, no targets. We got about five minutes here. We we still
1: haven't touched on the defensive line and what they did today. You, we should. Can, can I get one last thing on Kalief? but get, uh, let's get let's I, get one thing on Khalifa and then we'll yeah yeah go go right ahead. I I should I, give you that chance. Yeah,
2: the, I, I mean the thing. It's just an amazing storyline too, right? Like the being with the Jets was like the down point of Khalifa Raymond's career. Justin Rogers, of the Detroit News, wrote a great piece on it. We we talked about it a little bit, and he, he muffs two punts with the New York Jets. He's a new new guy giving a, you know, a very specific role and like, he's crying. Like he, he is, he thinks his NFL career is over, right? You muff a couple punts on a national stage in, in in a market like New York. And like, you think your career, you don't come back from that. You don't come back from that. Not a lot of people do. They really don't. And for him to get of all things, a punt return touchdown against the jets is just like, it's karmic beauty. It's, it's so cool. Mm. And, and man, like, I know Pro Bowl voting is over, but get that man to the Pro Bowl. He's been the best punt returner in the NFL this year,
1: period. Yeah. Yeah. I said I want to talk about defensive line, but I really should just say the front seven because I've got to include the linebackers in this so we can get yeah. in. Alex Anzalone, who I thought played great. Continues I know.
2: Play he was, his balls off.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I know he was chasing around Zach Wilson a little bit at the end there, but like unbelievable what he was doing. I think he had a really big tackle for loss, too. And then... um James Houston has more sacks than he has games played in right now. He, cont- yeah. he mentioned, he mentioned the special teams contributions. He doesn't get a lot of chances in the rotations, but damn, when he does, he flies.
3: Yeah. I, I asked the question on Twitter, like after he, after he notched that that sack and it's like, what, where do we draw the line between like the realistic conversation we have with James Houston and the hyperbolic one? Cause it's like, uh, I mean, at, at a certain point you have to kind of just say like, yeah, this dude is like, he's legit. Like, and and it's hard to come to that conclusion based on like a small sample size of games and him being a, you know, late round draft pick and, and all, all the other things. But like, I, I feel like it's fair to say, like, he is a useful player in the sense that, yeah. In, in the sense that like, Hey, pass rushing down. I want to see James Houston out there. And if he's not out there, then that's, that's a mistake. Yeah. No question about it. It's, it's fun to watch a
2: player in such a specific role, but just dominate that specific role. And when it's that important, and, and here's the, the beauty of the thing, Lions run defense is kicking ass. So they're getting into those, you know, they always say you have to earn your right to pass rush Lions need to earn the right to get James Houston on the field and they're doing it. And James Houston is paying off
3: big time.
1: Isaiah Bugs has been fantastic. Interior, I, I thought. I thought Aleem had a big game today. Aleem had a big game, like just talking about that run defense up there, and once again the NASCAR packages that come home and just stuff like Romeo.
3: Wherefore art thou? Two sacks. The main hero, the late hero of this game. (laughs) He he was in Zach Wilson's face, Jeremy. That's where he was.
2: Pretty much the entire last drive, right? Like it wasn't just the one sec that he got on that last drive. He was constantly getting Wilson on the move.
3: And I I think that just goes back to the discussion we were having over the past, I mean, a few weeks when the Lions started to get healthier and like, you know, JMO gets activated and Romeo gets activated. And I, I feel like for all of us, like Romeo was such a pipe dream in terms of, a, him coming back this season. And and two, like him coming back and looking like a guy because it's a little bit different when you're coming back from an Achilles injury like Jeff Okuda and you're a little bit more slight of frame versus a big dude who comes back from an Achilles tear. And like, I think Romeo kind of, I mean, he looks like he still got it, man. Yeah. And he, I mean, here's
2: the thing. We, we just got done talking about how the Jets have a heavy rotation of guys on the defensive line who can make plays. I think it's start, time to start to, I think it's time to start talking about the Lions' defensive line in the same way, because we didn't mention Aiden Hutchinson, who I thought had a good day, even though he didn't get a sack. Didn't talk about John Kaminsky, who did have a sack in this game. Like th- you want to talk about having dudes Lions got dudes on the defensive line and they got dudes. They got for the love dudes. of God. If the secondary can hold up just a second longer, sometimes this could be a really formidable defense. And I think that's what drove some of their defensive improvements earlier uh, in, in, in the season and in, in this streak um, we need to see that continue. And I, I I don't think you can put any of the blame on the front seven because I think yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, Chris. I think everyone across the board had a pretty good game in, in that front seven.
1: I know we keep looking at Jalen Carter and Will Anderson to, for that Rams pick, but I, I don't think there's a corner that would go that high, which brings up to other questions. But I am with Ryan that uh, cornerback is probably like one of the biggest needs in this draft right now, just to shore up that, that secondary. Cause this front seven is punching hard. I wouldn't I'm not just going to say above their weight because I think they're at their weight right now.
2: And can, can we take a quick step back before we go to break here and just realize that we just praised both Lions lines? Like that's their identity right now, right? They want to be this great team that 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 beats people up between the tackles and they're doing that. And so I know you look at the box score, you, you 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 go through that game and you think like the Lions are sucking. You think they're not they're I mean, they lost the passing game right in both sides of the ball. Whatever. When it comes down to it, sometimes in these in these late games, these late December games, a lot of the games are going to be won on the offensive and defensive line. Yeah, they got to get the running game going, but they're, they're, they're manhandling people. They're, they're making them tired. They're getting them exhausted by the end of the games, And maybe that's why you have a mental error by by Jets linebacker CJ Mosley, who just completely loses Brock Wright is because they are physically beaten by that time of the game. That stuff
1: matters. It does you know what also matters playoff talk when we come back on the pride of detroit pod cap we're going to indulge more on that right now and other other and other nonsense As once again we are in our mood right now we are strutting we're having fun it's good to be a detroit line right now we'll be right back on the pride of detroit pod cast Wrapping up the POD cast, um, another insane night before us. I don't know how many more of these we can keep doing. The answer is at least three. I hope so. Yeah. It's been one hell of a season. Let's talk about how the rest of that season is going to play out. There's three more games to play. And um, I think by my calculation, the Panthers might have something to play for next week against the because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just lost. They're six and eight. The Panthers are five and nine. They're technically in a playoff hunt, too. Yep. They sure are. I refuse, however. I you know what? I was scared about it earlier, but now I am refusing. I am chasing away the ghost of the fact that we could bookend this on on Sam Darnold. I don't want to do that. Well, yeah, before we get into the playoff talk,
2: I, let, let's talk about the road ahead, right? Let's talk about these three remaining games. Let's Lions talk about the road ahead. Let's talk about the Lions need to work on and everything. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, you got the Panthers next week on the road. Another another road game for a team that is competing for a playoff spot, as ridiculous as that is for a team that's five and eight. But the NFC South sucks, so whatever. Um, then you got the Bears at home. Got them at home, which is nice. You beat them on the road, but they took you to the wire last time. They're still, they, they just took the, the the Eagles to the wire as well. So that's not going to be, you know, cake. And then you got week 18 against the Packers who, I don't know if, if, if they win who the next three they're games, playing for? if they win the next three games, they're going to be playing for something. If they, if they slip up once, I don't think they're going to be playing for anything.
1: And then um, if they're not playing for anything, I guess the question is, are you going to see Jordan love? Or are you going to see Aaron Rodgers? and which <clears throat> kind of scares right. you more at that point? Um, I, I think it's fair to say it
2: you guys can disagree if you want that that the lions have gotten over their biggest hurdle. The Jets were probably the best team that they were going to play in these final four games. Doesn't mean it's their only hurdle, doesn't mean that everything else is going to be easy, but I think they I think that was like their most challenging matchup too. Not just not just best team but most challenging matchup because the rest of these teams don't have good defenses. And that is advantage lions in a big way because I think I think this lions offense bounces right back. I don't think this is this is a sign that the Lions' offense is not as good as we think. I don't think this is a, a sign that Jared Goff is a is is a bum. I, I, like I don't think it's any of that sort of stuff. I, I think I think the Lions are going to bounce back in a big way down the stretch. I think JMO is going to start getting more involved. I feel pretty confident about these final three games, and the the big question is is whether the defense can bounce back. But I don't know if I'm that scared of anyone else on the schedule in terms of their offense other than justin fields just doing crazy things
3: i think it's fair i mean the i mean that's the most mobile quarterback that you're gonna face as long as sam Darnold's the guy and it's not pj walker sure um but i i I think i think i'm there with you the only the only thing that i'm concerned about the offense is like i need to see the running game get back on track yeah and 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 i think that that's something that I mean, like, like Chris had mentioned, you know, probably like Dan Campbell, like having to say, like a lot of things still need to get cleaned up. And I don't think that there are any players in that locker room that disagree with him. Um, But, you know, the run game I think should be of the utmost importance, you know? And yeah, I, I don't know, dude, I can't believe that it's December 18th and we're talking about the playoffs. (laughs) We're, (laughs) We're talking about running the
2: table and going nine and one down the stretch. Well, well, it I is mean, funny we laughed, that we laughed at all this stuff. Yeah, we did. Like three weeks ago, we laughed at it. And now we're here. And now the
1: magic words. It doesn't feel like a pipe dream anymore. It, it does feel it does feel funny that each week, like because we, you would have said two weeks ago, Jeremy, that the Vikings were the hardest game ahead of us yeah. on the schedule. Yeah. Now yeah. we say, OK, after that, the Jets are the hardest game. And now I feel like the Panthers, are the hardest game in front of us. So it's just going to keep going on each week until we're down to the, down to the end. Or is it just a lull with the bears? I I, I, I know. I think
2: I feel like I've been saying in the past few weeks, the bears kind of scare me the most out of the remaining three games. I
3: know. And I hate it. Just at least that one's at home. Is, but yeah. the defense is so bad. That is like, true. Like that, 30 that's 32nd. Right. And and that's the thing where I, uh, I feel way more comfortable with Jared Goff at Ford field if the Bears want to get into a shootout, like I think that that's a, like it's yeah. funny, though, because think about how far we've come because the Lions got into a shootout with the Seattle Seahawks and that game never felt like it was no. ever within reach. No, never. And, and now and now, like I feel pretty comfortable in in saying like, hey, you know what? Like, yeah, the Bears, the whole running quarterback thing like that's a that's a it's a tough dynamic for this lion's defense to be able to handle but right now Chicago 29th in uh rush defense DVOA Green Bay Packers 32nd in the NFL in rush defense DVOA and Carolina Carolina's defense has been playing better um over recent weeks and and they've they've gone all the way up to 19th in overall DVOA so yeah. um I, I don't know like keep on moving those field goal posts you know what i mean like today yeah but but today was today was a different test like and for as much as I want to say like yeah Carolina's defense has been playing better over the over the past few weeks um they're they're not the jets defense right. and um oh my god we're talking about the playoffs <laughs> well let's talk a little bit about that and what has to
1: happen still so Seattle lost to the 49ers which means that they are they now are at 7 and 7 and lines with this victory Pull to seven and seven. Now the Seattle Seahawks do have the head to head tiebreaker because they beat the lions. And we are sitting here right before Sunday night football here where the commanders and giants are squaring off. And I think we're rooting for a tie, which seems like something I should be doing, but Jeremy wrote it.
2: Yeah. Uh, it, and it's, it's big. Like, I know it's probably not worth talking about it that much on the podcast. Yeah, but yeah, the time yeah It's going to be coming out on this. Monday morning. Sure. But, but just so, you know, a tie would, would raise the lions, playoff chances by 10% versus basically a, a 1% move in, in either direction, depending on who wins. Basically whoever wins, it doesn't matter. Like
1: and those are the three teams where uh, we're talking about right now. The lions have to keep up with the Joneses with like for, yeah. leave the NFC South out of it. I don't think anyone's going to be running the table from them. It's a whole backlog of five and nine chasing Tampa Bay. There's not gonna be two, a wildcard team out of there. Commanders, Giants, Seahawks. That's those are the three teams you have to keep an eye on for the rest yep. of the season. And I and don't so think that, the do, the Cowboys lose out either. Here's
2: here's the great news. Hmm. Basically, no matter what happens on Sunday Night Football, the Lions are going to be within striking distance of a playoff spot by next week. Like yes. they they could be in a playoff spot after next week because they only need to jump one game on the Seahawks.
1: And whoever the Seahawks loses, are playing the Chiefs next week.
2: Great opportunity to jump them. And then whoever loses Sunday night football, whether it's the commanders or the giants, one more win and one more loss from them jumps them. So if they do that next week, lines are in a playoff spot with two weeks left to go. And suddenly the destiny's in their hands. Like the lines could be in, in, in charge of their own
1: destiny by this time. I, I don't next like that. week. I don't like that. They're in charge of their own destiny.
2: That's crazy, though. Like, that's like, OK, so let's say let's say the commanders lose. They, the Giants beat them tonight.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: They got the four. They have to play at San Francisco the next week. So if they lose those two games tonight and against the 49ers and the Lions win and the Seahawks lose against whoever you said they're playing. The Chiefs. The Lions are in the seventh seed.
3: Yeah, personally, and again, this is all moot point. I guess this is mostly for stream because all of this stuff is going to be kind of figured out by the morning, obviously. But like, I think you're definitely rooting for the Giants tonight. Like Washington has it's a the tougher, team, right? Yeah, Washington has the tougher schedule. Washington's probably the better football team. Like you want the Giants to win so that the Giants can hopefully fall on their face. But they, I mean, they play like they play the Vikings next week. They play the Colts. So like,
2: if if you go by like which teams are favored in the next week, whoever none of, like none of these teams are favored this week, right? And so the like if everything falls the right quote unquote right way, the Lions are in a playoff spot tomorrow next week because if the if the Giants lose, they got like you said they have to go in Minnesota to play the Vikings. So I mean, this is a pretty damn rosy outlook for the
1: Lions right now. Everything's coming up Lions, which does scare me a little bit. <laughs> i understand i get that it, it's the same thing that people went into this game for right like no i know
2: i know we're, Wilson, we're killing we're oh killing God, God. i don't want to go against a, a quarterback who sucks like he, we're gonna but be the, also, the comeback game we gotta shed ourselves we gotta listen to dan miller that field this goal is a good football everything. team we need to reset that, 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 expectations
1: yeah i know but i'm just saying like that, that field goal again like how many fans are saying like yeah we usually lose on a field goal like that 100 so yeah. like it it and I, I, I'm not saying we have called in a, a shrine maiden and, and banished all the spirits from this evil place, but uh, it, it it does feel like there is an exorcism happening in some degree. Rory I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop. That's right. all. I'm just waiting uh, no. for the shoe to drop. <laughs> uh, from
2: our live chat, Rory Stafford says, "This all this cool aid has me afraid we are going to get the six seed and go to San Francisco." That's fine. That's fine. I don't even care if we get blown out by San Francisco in the first round of the playoffs. I I say that now. And then of course I'll be upset in a moment when it happens, but 16 after one and six.
1: That's fine. I want it. That's fine. That's fine. It'll suck when we get drummed out of the playoffs, but able to say we went there in the second year of Dan gamble.
3: Right. I mean, the lions have seven wins. And if you would have told anybody before, the start of the season that the lions are going to win seven games. You cash the over you're happy. And I understand the expectation changed and, but yeah, you also did. You cash the over. Um And the division went over by the way. Oh, stop. There's <laughs> other things. Let's just say <laughs> I'm very invested in this playoff run. Um, and uh you can find that on uh Twitter.com if it still exists. Um, But yeah, <laughs> I, I think, I don't know. Like, I I think it's important to stay grounded, obviously, but I I also encourage everybody. I encourage everybody to enjoy the hell out of this, right? And and I think that's kind of like what we've been talking about over over the past few weeks, especially after Dan Campbell. You know, the whole six and O season. We're one and O, and or we have a six game season. We're one and O, and like again, like the team just keeps on redefining what you should be expecting from this football team, and. That's an exciting feeling because we haven't had that in, I mean, decades. Exciting Not football for a on Christmas, very long y'all. time. Yeah, so we're and talking the, about the the, la- the last. And we talked. I, I talked about this. or an article about it. But like the last time that the Lions had a game that had stakes on Christmas Eve was oh, twenty seventeen. Oh God, this is happening on Christmas Eve too. <laughs> I know. And, and no. they're playing and they're playing another cat team. <laughs> they're playing another cat team that kind of sucks.
2: <laughs> no, you ruined this whole podcast.
1: You're welcome. And of that, I think we get the hell out of here before he jinxes us even further. Someone in the Th- chat sounds like I sound like
3: a PTSD and It's because of what Ryan is doing right now. That's what that's why I'm pumping up the Panthers. I, I want I want to be on I want to be on wax saying that the Panthers are they're all All right. Boo me. Why are you booing me? I'm right. (laughs) I hate you.
1: Let's get out of here. This has been an amazing year. Thank you for everyone who's been sticking with PODcast and uh, making our downloads fly up the charts and communicating with us, talking with us, helping to grow this community. As always, we'll see you star (laughs) side. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. And now through the end of December, you can go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. That's promo code POD20 at RighteousFelon.com. Valid through 12 2022